This is Raising a Sane and Successful Teen, An Innovative Guide to Becoming an Awesome Parent by Marianne Majori. Chapter 11, Success. To most people in Western culture, success is what a friend of mine once called the spouse, the car, the kids, the house with the white picket fence. But in many places of the world, and even in many parts of the privileged West, success would be one decent meal a day. In other parts of the world, success might be the ability to meditate for an hour or the ability to bring a ferry into port on time day after day. Success might, in some places and times, be the essential acknowledgement that one is content with oneself and one's place in the world. In the United States particularly, success is a very serious subject, though what it is dressed in often looks like fun. In the U.S., success is money and lots of things to buy with it. The rules of success are touted constantly from the internet, television programs, advertising, on the radio and songs, and of course in movies. Rarely do we see any commercial displays depicting a family living in a two-bedroom house with a leaky toilet and a dog that is dying of old age. All successful people have gone to Harvard or Yale. All vacations are two weeks at the best resorts. People have nice teeth, clean sweatshirts, new cars. It looks like a total state of freedom. All a kid has to do is stay in school, get good grades, and or come up with a dynamite high-tech product or musical invention, and they're solid. Yet at most schools, children are pummeled with exams, homework assignments, and busy work designed to grade them, judge them, and stamp them as ready for the office cubicle in the nearest corporation. Then they can step out into the world of buying things and having things. This is not a plan for a free, engaged citizenry. This is training for sheep. So kids are confused. What is success and how do you get there, really? The answer is simple. Success is happiness. And it is true that happiness often includes work. Work that is difficult, work that is sometimes boring, work that is challenging. Often work that doesn't pay well. But success or happiness can be obtained with a strategy. And strategy begins with a dream. Every person has had a dream or a vision of who they wanted to be and what they wanted to be doing. This dream comes in a sleeping or waking state, usually as a whole image, but sometimes in parts over days, and often when the person is very young. By young, I mean three or four years old. Ask anyone you know when they knew what they wanted to be when they grew up, and they will tell you a story rich in detail. A friend of mine became a quilter. Her dream of her future happened when she was four. Her dad was a fabric salesman to tailors. Every night he came home from his work with a huge ring of fabric samples. He would drop the ring at the living room door and hurry into the kitchen to greet his wife. My friend would drag the ring of cloths into the living room, unclasp it, and begin laying the fabrics out on the floor, first in fans of color, later in different patterns. She made her designs huge enough to cover the whole floor and loved every one of them. Today, she makes her own fabric designs, instilled by the memory of her playtime with her father's ring of samples. You know of stories like this one. A tiny child who flew down the road joyfully on a bike and today as an adult organizes bike trips around the country. The kid who blew up things in the backyard and today is an engineer specializing in demolition for transportation pro projects. Doctors are made watching over a favorite grandparent in a hospital. Lawyers are made winning arguments at the dinner table. The thrill of early success is potent. Fostering success. By watching closely what intrigues your young person, you will see interests arise. These interests are your kid's key to the future. 
nourish these interests, not because they will lead to fame and fortune necessarily, but because they are paths to self-knowledge, self-growth, self-expression, and self-expansion in the world. They may be athletic interests, roller hockey or soccer, baseball or ballet. They may revolve around one of the arts, writing, painting, sculpture, ceramics, or explorations in multimedia and other realms of expression. They may be musical, anything from the didgeridoo to the violin. Or their interests might be a study that integrates a combination of many aspects of themselves, such as theater or film or other performance realms. Sign them up. Get them there on time, cheer them on, and admire what they are doing, whether they are the leader or supporting player. Respect what they are exploring, even if it differs from what you know, think, or believe. Politics became, and still is, a focus in our house, although we had differing opinions about issues and about how to take action in support of our beliefs. I found that letting my children explore their own avenues gave them many important lessons and enabled them to become their own people people who were learned and comfortable in themselves and what they believed and knew how to express these beliefs in the world. With your own children, check in with what they are doing and how safely they are doing it, and you will often feel much relieved. In one such check-in about my son's political activism, Max said reassuringly, Don't worry, Mom. I have no interest in being arrested. Your young person's interests may be spiritual. They may become more ardent in the family faith. They may want to go to religious services more often. Be with them. They may want to visit other religious centers. Go with them. Perhaps your young person wants to salute their intellectual side with greater intensity than they are getting at school. Take them to lectures that interest them or movies that may interest them. Purchase or borrow books or materials that they are longing for. When Max mentioned he wanted to know more about how the universe works, I kept my eyes open for something that might encourage his curiosity. Soon after he spoke to me, I noticed a paperback by the physicist Isaac Asimov at a garage sale. It cost a dime. I put the book at the end of Max's bed one afternoon while he was out, and when he came home, began, he began reading it immediately. Science grew into a lifelong passion for Max, and today he is in engineering school and already has a job that revolves around science. The little book may not have led much further than a few rainy afternoons of reading, but wasn't it still worth my time and interest in his satisfaction to encourage his enjoyment and knowledge? When Gina found Clay was her medium in freshman year of high school, she told me sadly that there were no more advanced classes at the school for her. I did the research and discovered one of the country's best-known clay sculptors had a studio within walking distance of Gina's high school. I signed her up for a very modestly priced series of lessons. Today, Gina is a sculptor, photographer, and teacher who loves the connection to the clay she found when she was 14. In all cases, when you see an interest, try to actively nurture it with no thought of it becoming a career and no pressure. Here again is a Gina story that taught me so much as her mother. From a very young age, Gina had amazing aquatic skills. She could swim very well and really excelled at diving. The people at the pool where we swam used to gather in large crowds to watch her. Eventually, the attention she garnered took away her happiness in the sport. Her father and I were willing to go elsewhere, find her a coach, and really nurture her talent. We consulted with swim coaches and introduced her to trainers but the thrill was gone for Gina. She went on to her passion for art and today is very satisfied with the support she received for this, her deeper interest. So if any one of your daughter's or son's passions proves to be a passing fancy or short-term learning romance, let it go. 
Other appealing activities will appear that will eventually lead to long-term satisfactions. Try to keep your expenditures reasonable so that if any interest dwindles, you will not be blaming your daughter or son for wasting a lot of your money. Borrow or rent equipment or instruments. Register your young person for continuing education courses before you cart them to a master class at the university. Schedule them for an hour-long tutorial with an expert in the field of interest before you spend serious money on the summer-long intensive trip in a distant state or land. In all cases, enjoy watching their exploration. The mind, the body, and the spirit are advancing on paths of their own, and that's a good thing. And don't forget that their school has courses and resources that you may help them explore. Gently encourage them to register for classes they might enjoy outside of the realm of the ordinary. Many kids are afraid that this exploration may not end well and will show up as a dark mark on their records. Clubs might be the answer in this case. A student can look into something new that looks good on their record and may lead to a brave dive into a new area of learning when they are ready. And it is way easier logistically for them to find their fulfillment at their school if the school has the resources, the educators, and the counselors who can help. As we have noted, some do, some don't. It's important that you know as much as you can about your young person's high school and what is going on there. Cultivating dreams. Do you want to cultivate your kid's success? Of course you do. Then gently, respectfully, find out what their first dream looked like and felt like and work from there. Be careful not to press too specifically on the dream. My friend with her love of fabric design might have become an architect or a creator of jigsaw puzzles. Some dreams take many varied steps. Be aware that the teen years are very complex and demanding and in many cases frightening. So if there seems to be a stumble on the dream, especially in the first year or two of college, step in and help. One teen I know wanted with all his heart to become a video game designer. He talked about it every time I saw him. When he got to college, he shifted the dreams to something he didn't want and really doesn't like. When I asked him what happened to the original dream, he told me, I couldn't hack the math. His parents, not watching over him during his crucial first year of college, didn't notice that the simple expense of a tutor or the gentle guidance to the student services center where a student was free might have kept this young man's dream alive. Instead of lending the magic combo of some information and support, they let him find his way. One parent might have said, I understood that you are not doing well in math and that this might hold you back from your dream. I had a similar problem when I got to college. Can I tell you what worked for me? Then the parent could have worked with the kid, giving them support and information and made the wayward dream a possibility. Instead, today this perfectly wonderful and viable version of a life of fun and rewarding work is now sitting somewhere in the back of this young man's psyche, pretty much gone. It might surface years from now, but wouldn't it be better and more efficient if the kid was helped to do it now? So do watch, look, encourage your kids' dreams. Be open-minded, especially when looking over school curricula and choices of courses, particularly in high school. Don't discourage courses you think will not get them anywhere, and there's, here's why. Many American schools overemphasize math and science, thinking that technology is the only path to the future. Yet studies consistently show that art, painting, photography, sculpture, drama, music, creative writing, serve to boost not only the highly touted test scores, but also aspects of young persons' development in all kinds of areas and disciplines. 
This means that if you want to see your kid excel in computer sciences, it might be wise to encourage those imaginative studies like the arts and courses that encourage a broader worldview and personal knowledge such as history, literature, and psychology. A more balanced education helps assure that you too will be able to relate better into the future too. Be sure your kid feels that what they are doing and where they are going is worthwhile, that you respect them and can see them succeeding. All young people need to know two things before they leave high school, that they have skills the world needs and that the world is eager to greet them with opportunity. Yet year after year, at graduation time, newspapers bemoan the lack of jobs, of good positions and good schools, of promise available to this new group of graduates. This is poppycock, and dangerous poppycock, too. It is language designed to make frightened workers who will take any job, no matter how dismal, and accept any kind of pay, no matter how low it is. We become what we think about, and if we are going to tell young people that there is no place for them unless they bend their skills and their wills to capricious economic forecasts, then we will end up with cynical, unfulfilled adults, ill-prepared to participate in the work of family and community. Thank you for listening. If you have a struggling millennial, feel free to reach out. You can reach us at launch.5for5.org or call me, Marianne Majori, at 415-577-6627. That's 415-577-6627. We would love to hear from you. Take care until then.